Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. 314 to 117, the House passes the debt limit deal. And, um, meh. I think that's the way it's seen. You had the majority of the majority, meaning a majority of Republicans did vote for it. Kevin McCarthy, he's safe. And if you listen to Kevin McCarthy, he's overjoyed. Kevin McCarthy really feels that he pulled off something very special. I wanted to make history. I wanted to do something no other Congress has done. That we would literally turn the ship for the first time in quite some time we'd spend less than we spent the year before tonight we all made history because this is the biggest cut and savings this congress has ever voted for and it's not that we're just voting for it this is going to be law he feels it's going to get through the senate without a problem tony katz Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number, 833-468-8669. Coming up, I had a a conversation with Senator Mike Braun, of course, the senator from Indiana. He's also a candidate for governor in Indiana and discussed whether we think it's going to get through the Senate. He is a man with amendments. We'll see what those are and whether or not they make any sense. I have my, my disagreements for sure. But we made history. The biggest cut in savings Congress has ever voted for. With a debt limit that has no cap. A debt limit that has no cap. Let me say it again. A debt limit that has no cap. It's open-ended for two years. So you don't have to worry about it in a presidential election. Precious. Doesn't seem like we're in a great place with this legislation i would have been the nova i would have been a no vote i would have been if i had been in office um i can appreciate that there is some value in this i can appreciate that you did increase spending not uh, in 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 the military not enough in my view and then there's going to be a big whole question as to whether or not I'm nothing more than a neocon because I believe that we're not engaged in a military spend properly. And maybe the argument is not so much about spending as it is about properly placing the money where it's necessary. And maybe we'd have the money if we stopped putting the money in places where it's unnecessary, like Planned Parenthood. I said it. I meant it. I could defend it. I will. Next subject. But now this thing goes to the Senate. And we will see whether or not they're going to uh, work out a deal amongst uh, McConnell and Schumer where you're going to need cloture or whether we're just going to be a simple majority. If I was a betting man, simple majority. You're going to need 51 votes, which is to say Democrats are going to make this happen. And that's it. But now, what is it that we should be doing next? If indeed we have Republicans who have decided that the the answer 
is this bill right here. Here's how we're cutting spending. Capping spending in 2024, 1% increase in 2025. And if all the appropriations bills, there are 12 of them, are not passed, we will see a 1% spending cut across the board. 1% across the board, there will not be spending. That includes military spending, by the way. That's all in there. It's, It's the penny plan. The penny plan would be one cent out of every dollar or 1%. A penny is 1% of a dollar. So 1% of all spending would, would go away. Maybe there is great opportunity here. And if that's the case, why are we so bothered by what it is that, that we're seeing? Why are we so bothered by this deal? Is there any deal that could have been good enough? I put forth to you, yes. It was the legislation that passed the House already. The Democratic Party said, why isn't the Republican Party doing anything? Why don't they care about the debt limit? By the way, the debt limit, so dangerous, the debt limit, so important that we were going to run out of money on June 1st. And then when it was found out that June 1st was going to hit and we don't have a deal, all of a sudden the date was June 5th. The date was June 1st. It was today. Today was the witching hour, people. Today was the day that we were all going to die and the sirens were going to go off. Oh my God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay, What's the procedure? stay calm. Wait, 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 wait. What's going on? Holy crap, I am freaking out. OMG. Are you kidding me right now? I hate Illinois Nazis. And all of a sudden, it's not today, it's June 5th. So you first, at, at the very quick, you know that you were lied to about this. My gosh, we have to get this done right away. My gosh, where the country is in peril. You lying Saxa, you know what. Wasn't in peril. June 1st, June 1st, June 1st, actually June 5th. Missed it by that much. Good Lord. Good Lord. So, did we rush? What are we getting? Because one could argue that, yes, the debt limit is open-ended, but Republicans control the House. Now, what we have to do is be very aggressive with our elected officials not to engage more spending. Don't tell me about how we need more money for this, that, or the other. Less of this and less of that and less of the other. Let's rank the things that are important, and let's get rid of the things that aren't important. Stop spending on them all together. Now I ask you, who believes that this can happen? And the answer, of course, is no one. No one believes that this can happen. And that's what makes this open-ended debt limit such a problem. And there are people like Bernie Sanders who will tell you that they don't believe there should be a debt limit at all. At all. You, You listen to him You listen to Bernie, everybody's not-so-favorite commie, and he'll tell you how this is all a problem. That, my gosh, I can't be in favor, I can't vote for, for this deal. Having said and made clear that what we have before us is far, far better than what emanated in the Republican House, I have to make clear that I cannot vote for this bill. Madam President, at a time of massive wealth and income inequality, at a time when the people on top 
have never had it so good while the middle class shrinks and millions of working class families live in desperation, I cannot in good conscience vote for a bill that takes vital nutrition assistance away from women, infants, children, and seniors while refusing to ask billionaires to stop paying their fair share of taxes. He doesn't ask millionaires because he is one. This commie never stops. And he is a commie. And you should start calling him that. If I was a senator, there is never a point where I wouldn't be calling him a commie. I wouldn't be challenging him on national television. I wouldn't be challenging him in the well of of the Senate. Everything about him is you aren't paying enough. Fair share? You think he knows what fair is? He's never held a job in his life. He has three houses. What does he know about fair? He's an awful person. He's a lying fraud of a human being. He is the guy who told you this right here. Can you believe it? You know, it's funny. Sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. Do you know what an ignorant sack of you know what you have to be to say that? Do you know what an ignorant fool you have to be? What a, in the truest use of the word, useful idiot you must be to say bread lines are good. What's better, you in line waiting for bread or bread on a shelf waiting for you? Which one's better? Do you you need time to figure that out? I'll give you time. You in line waiting for bread or bread in a store waiting for you. Which one's better? By the way, can we all agree that Mayim Bialik is terrible as the host of Jeopardy? She's lovely. She just can't do this. Really bad. And by the way, I don't think Ken Jennings can either. I think he's just a... It, go back to the original guy who you decided wasn't good enough because of some statement or tweet or nonsense woke garbage that you took the job away from him. The producer dude. Yeah, go with that dude. But my gosh, you would rather bread waits for you and then you show up at your leisure and you're like, I'll take that bread. And the bread goes, yay, chose me. I'm, uh, if your bread does that, I don't think you should eat that bread. But you got my point. You think Bernie Sanders understands anything about economics? He only understands taking from you. Remember, ideologically, he hates that you have yours. Yours should belong to somebody else, and he has determined what fair share is, and he knows what to take from you and what to give to others, and that's what's fair. Shame on the people of Vermont for letting this guy have so much power. Do you not know how to do anything else? Has the syrup rotted your brain? Has it gotten too cold? Maybe you need some more of those fancy Bernie Sanders mittens. Whatever it takes. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you need a little bit more New Hampshire in you. Let's go for full-on invasion of Vermont and get you people to figure it out. Can't wait for that news story. Radio host calls for invasion of Vermont. Like you would need to actually invade. Just go for a stroll. We're here to see the foliage. Yeah, we came. We came to see the leaves turn color. And while we're here, uh, stick them up like that. What would it take? What would it take an invasion of Vermont? People of Vermont just need to vote. There should be no invasion of Vermont. Do I actually have to say that? Do I have to be that guy? Are we really that people? Come on now. 
Vermont votes for failure. Vermont's going to get failure. Vermont votes for fools. It's going to get fools. Vermont votes for ignorance. It's going to get ignorance. And by the way, that's true of every state in the union. He cannot in good conscience vote for the debt ceiling deal. He doesn't believe in a debt ceiling at all. And he doesn't believe in you knowing what's best for your dollars that you've earned or that you received. I mean, sometimes that happens. Oh, he hates that too. You got money from an inheritance? Well, that belongs to us. Why does it belong to you? It belongs to whomever the person decides to leave the money to. That's who it belongs to. If you don't like it, Bernie, too bad. Who cares what you like? You're inconsequential. All communists have this idea in their head that they know what's best. And then the useful idiots are the ones who get nothing and then think they're getting the best. Remember, for communism to work, it can't bring people up. It doesn't have the capacity. It has to push everybody down and therefore, see, everybody's equal. Equal in their misery, equal in their chocolate rations, always equal, except for the people up top. Well, they have to have chocolate all around because, you know, they're doing the important work of making things equal and fair for you. But back to the debt limit and the debt ceiling and whether this is going to pass the Senate. Yeah, I think it's going to pass the Senate. We'll get into that with Senator Mike Braun. But most importantly, is this deal really a bad deal? Is this a bad deal? And the answer is it's not a great deal. It's not. We're all aware that it's not a great deal. It's not a great deal because look at all the Democrats that voted for it. Well, Tony, sometimes a deal has to, you know, you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You got to negotiate. You don't get everything that you want. If more Democrats voted for it than Republicans, is it a great deal? That's a solid question. If more Democrats voted for it, Then Republicans, is it a great deal? I put forth to you, no. Now, I shared with you yesterday, I was listening to Democrats talk about it, and it it sounded like they were just trying to set it on fire. It really did. It sounded like they were beating the thing up. 71 Republicans voted against it. 46 Democrats voted against it. So more Democrats voted for it than Republicans. You can argue that, hey, look, I've seen worse deals. You can argue, well, it did this, well, it did that. You can argue, look, Democrats voted for it because they couldn't have a default under Joe Biden because then Democrats would be held responsible for a a, a default and, and, and not paying our bills and the credit rating and everything else. You can argue that. But it wasn't a great deal. And we may soon see exactly how bad or good of a deal this is. Um, but I think I think more to the to the point, I still don't know why they did it. You had already passed legislation. You should have said, take it up, Chuck Schumer, have a nice day. We're going on vacation. We're gonna sip our tea and just hang out and work on other issues for the American people. You go pass, You go vote on that. Pass it, don't pass it, whatever you do. We already passed legislation, which they had weeks ago. As we were saying, Democrats said, Republicans, uh, where's your plan? And Republicans said, well, here's our plan, and they passed it in the House. And somehow the Senate never did anything with it. Now Kevin McCarthy had to renegotiate? That's awkward. Now it's debt ceiling versus budget, but still awkward 
I don't know why you had to put them together. The Senate will vote in days. We'll see what they do. I'm Tony Katz. Sam Ponder is over at ESPN, and she, uh, I think Sam is short for Samantha personally, is unwilling to back down from bigots like Nancy Armour at USA Today. Sam Ponder understands that boys are not girls and girls are not boys and men are not women and women are not men. And she's standing up for women in sports. And people like Nancy Armour are calling her bigots, saying you're a bigot for actually saying that women shouldn't compete against men. Meanwhile, over in Connecticut, there's a female high, female high school track athlete who's suing over the Connecticut transgender policy. Saying all four years of my high school experience, I had to race against two guys. They took four state championships, two honorary awards. All these opportunities that I had were taken away from me because I'm competing against men and women are not as fast as men. So I'm suing. And she's being joined by another girl and she's right. And I'm telling you right now, if I knew where to get in contact and donate, I would do it. Men are not women and women are not men. And it's nice to see women standing up for themselves. It's nice to see women fighting back and fighting for themselves and others. It's only ridiculous and awful that women like Nancy Armour are out there saying, how dare you, and calling them bigots for standing up for themselves. You're calling teenage girls bigots for standing up for themselves. Samantha uh, Ponder puts forward, biology is not bigotry. Loving people does not require the absence of boundaries. That's correct. Absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, anybody in sports who isn't in favor of protecting women in sports, I don't know how you show your damn face. I don't know how you do it. You know, there's an expression, wrong side of history. Uh, and and uh, I'm going to share with you, uh, hopefully I'll get to it today, Alyssa Farah with some of the most ridiculous commentary. And the only thing that made it worse was Joy Behar and The View. This show has, it, it. there are not enough sharks for it to jump. But they, they, people love, you're on the wrong side of history. If you favor women being told to just lay down and take it or sit in the back of the bus so a man can get theirs, you're not on the wrong side of history. You're just a screw-up. You're on the wrong side of humanity. You're on the wrong side of decency. There's something seriously wrong with you. The debt deal. What is the Senate going to do? Senator Mike Braun gives us the latest. This is Tony Katz today. This debt limit deal has taken the turns that we thought that it would take. The House passed it 314 to 117. And of course, there were people voting no on both sides of the aisle. But in the end, Kevin McCarthy wasn't going to come forward with a piece of legislation that he didn't feel he had the majority of the majority to get the votes for, which means you take the Republican Party. Do you have a majority of those Republicans voting for it? He felt he did. He did, and for that reason, he's going to be safe as Speaker of the House. Guys, welcome to the show. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com.
The question now is, going over to the Senate, is the Senate down for this legislation? Are they down for this the way that it is? Senator Mike Braun joins us right now, Senator from Indiana, my senator, and a candidate for governor in the state of Indiana. Um, Taking a, a first, let's start with maybe an overview look of this legislation. We have a debt limit increase until 2025. We did it based on time and not dollars. Uh, we see an increase in defense spending of 3%. We see a cap on spending in 2024 staying flat, 1% up in 2025, among some other regulatory issues, things like that. You like this, or if, if when it comes to uh, the Senate as is, you a yes vote or you a no vote? I'm definitely going to be a no vote. Uh, when it comes to almost all the budget stuff, I go back to process. How did we get into this pickle in the first place? And Tony, when you look at where we're currently at, this is now baselined the federal government at over 25% of our GDP. It was bad enough when I got here. We were $18 trillion in debt. Now we're $31 trillion. But other than through wartime, our GDP has never been baselined above 20% uh, government spending of GDP. So how that happens and why we don't complain more about it, that's the real Democrat victory in this. It is what it is. Uh, they enterprised for two years and put a lot in uh, our baseline above and beyond what some of the COVID stuff did that is got forward momentum but it is a terrible business plan in the sense that we're now borrowing close to $2 trillion a year, double what it was just four and a half years ago. And the only blueprint out there was done by Joe Biden that puts us an additional $20 trillion in debt in 10 years. And the net effect of what we're voting on knocks that back from 20 to $18 trillion. That is a lot. The interest alone when you reprice it with interest rates going up will be the incremental thing each year that the numbers never lose. They and, always and win. So, so this plays into this, this where, where I saw the issue. It's one thing to say that we're going to revisit the debt limit in two years. It's another thing to say, we're not even going to put a number on it. And the argument in favor of that is, well, Republicans control Congress. They can decide the spending and they can keep that spending down. The argument against is who in the world has ever been able to keep spending down in, in the House of Representatives or in uh, Washington, D.C. in general? This is an open-ended uh, check, blank check, that the president could basically write for whatever he wants. There's no doubt about it. And uh, legislation is generally going to have to drive any new structural spending. I think we did put a tourniquet on that when the House got elected. But your point, how did we get here? In running a business like I did for 37 years, if you do things right in the present, in the short run, thinking about the mid and long term, things just work. Uh, in the real world, if you were borrowing 30 cents now on every dollar of revenue, meaning you're financing losses from a bank, they would laugh you out of the office the first year that occurred. State governments, local governments all have constraints where they have to live within their revenue stream. Here's where it started. When George W. Bush got elected in 2000, for the over 200 years, we had accumulated uh, roughly $5 trillion in debt. 
That was the year 2000. He put two wars on the credit card, uh, did some tax cuts. They generally lower revenues the first year or two out of the gate. Through economic growth, you get more. They generally pay for themselves. Dems never want to acknowledge that. So there we went up to $10 trillion in debt. Obama said, you do it. We're going to double down on it. Another $6 trillion. That took us to 16 Then we were running trillion-dollar annual deficits. That's what got us to $18 trillion in debt two years under Trump when I got here. Then you had COVID come along. That was an excuse to enterprise. Like Rahm Emanuel says, never waste a crisis. The rest you know. Now we're $31 trillion in debt, both sides of the aisle. And let me tell you how it works. The Democrats are unapologetic about it, and they're honest. This is their growth business and kind of their goal, all wrapped into one. Republicans who say they are fiscal conservatives lose it when it comes to the neocons, the most extreme of the defense hawks. I think defense is the most important thing we do, but they ought to do budgets, ought to do audits. They generally then make the deal with the Democrats, and that's been the dynamic of what we've been playing with before I got here, and it's even worse now. So now let's take a look at what's about uh, to happen. You're going to get this this legislation, and you are a no vote, as, as you've just said, talking to Senator Mike Braun, senator from Indiana, candidate for governor in the state of Indiana. Uh, but you have amendments. Now, a lot of people were, talking, were hearing about with amendments. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, Senator Mike Lee uh, of Utah. Are you going to get a chance to bring your amendments to the floor? And which ones of them, I don't know how many you have, which ones of them would be necessary to turn you from a no to a yes? So the early bird gets the worm on amendments, and Rand and Lee uh, are generally going to be there with something. I come in... Uh, with fewer and ones that I think are going to have more meat to them. So uh, as of right now, unless something would fall apart, uh, I'm going to get an amendment. It's going to be very simple. Next time we arrive at a debt ceiling issue, you automatically lift the debt ceiling to get rid of all the drama. But here's what's going to be different. If you don't get something done in terms of a spending bill, you have a 1% cut after 30 days across the board, defense and dis- domestic. So you can't, you're ha- holding both sides accountable. If you go another 30 days, it's an additional 1%. And those will be rescissions, not ones that you can get back on. You couldn't do that until later. That will be real teeth real repercussions, and I think it's going to get a bunch of votes. There won't be a Democrat that will vote for it other than one or two, and I'll lose most of the neocon defense hawks. So you mean Lindsey Graham. Is that a fancy way of saying Lindsey Graham? I will. (laughs) Now, now, yeah. wait a second. Let me let me be somebody who pushes back for a moment because it was Congressman Thomas Massey who brought this point up, of course, from, from Kentucky, that this legislation right now states that if the 12 appropriations bills are not passed, we see a 1% cut across the board. This is uh, the penny plan at play. That's kind of what you're discussing right now, although you've put it at 30 days and then another 1% after 90 days. 
defense spending being part of a conversation to me is always frightening because you take the China threat, you take the cybersecurity threat, you take the fact that we don't have enough of a Navy right now, enough ships at sea to count. This is the place that you can't cut. But you're saying I'm throwing the baby and the bathwater and the bath and uh, the baby's mother right out the window with all of it. If these people can't be grownups, you're willing to cut even defense. And here's the other thing about the bill. The fiscal year is October 1st through September 30th. So uh, that provision in there kicks in after the fiscal year is over. And then you've got three months to get it back in order to where they wouldn't be real rescission. So this is something that's got plenty of forewarning. It is going to be done uh, within the fiscal year, ideally, not after it's over, because once you do this, you got to remember, we don't do any budgeting zero anymore, and appropriations never get done on time. And this is to keep the time factor in play. And if you hit the debt limit issue, it starts immediately. And if you don't get your job done, spending is going to go down. Sad thing is, Tony, this is not going to pass. Schumer probably wouldn't have let it be an amendment, uh, even though I think it's going to have a 50-volt threshold because it is germane. Uh, That's the sad thing about this place, too. You're generally messaging. And until the neocons, the real defense hawks, say they're fiscal conservatives, more worried about the red ink than the red menace, I'm worried about both. The red ink will get us in the long run. The red menace, we have to deal with every year. And Mike, Admiral Mike Mullen, Dwight D. Eisenhower, said worry about the military industrial complex. They knew you waste a lot of money in it. They were in the business, and man, has that become uh, a reality over time. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower did indeed uh, say that as he left office, but bewaring the military-industrial complex involves, to me, a conversation about the paid-for redundancies and waste, not necessarily uh, cuts to the thing as China is is in these throes of trying to make hey something that we have to deal with along with the southern border along with cyber attacks talking to senator mike braun uh, of indiana you just said these amendments are going to come up but they're not going to pass is this debt limit as it is sent forth from the house of representatives just voted on 314 to 117 sir is this vote going to pass the senate and does this vote have to go through cloture the 60 vote threshold or is this a simple 51 majority so that'll be that'll be determined by Schumer and McConnell, and uh, when it, it, it's definitely going to pass. So whether it's a fifty or sixty vote threshold, it's going to go through. They don't tee anything up like this unless it's going to go through. The vote margin in the House is going to be probably not uh, that lopsided in the Senate. Generally, we're going to get fifteen to twenty. Republicans, uh, seven to eight of us that are always on the fiscal issues, another that want their uh, 13 to 14, maybe more, that want the vote record to reflect, even though they may be not as fiscally conservative when it comes to their own legislation. In other words, I'm never going to put a bill out there unless you raise a fee or, uh, which is politically impossible to do, or offset it with stuff that's already been appropriated. 
that is a real pay for, not a fake. So yes, it's going to go through. Um, we are getting the amendments. That is the bargain. So we don't delay this through the weekend. Basically, that's the trade-off. So you think this passes quickly before the weekend? This will pass. This will be done. The amendments won't go anywhere, and there's not a Republican who can really hold this up, even though you're going to try your best. Any well, I'm not trying to hold it up. I don't believe in that. Uh, those histrionics. I just, if you're going to give us an amendment, fine. And the ones that normally may do that have agreed as well, because they always lose. And they spent three more days in D.C. as a result of it. And the leaders always get their way and the outcome. My question is, when is this going to be enough? uh, Enough is enough to the American public. Medicare trust fund goes broke in four years. Social Security fund in nine years. We've known both actuarially for over a decade. Um, Each year when you price the four and a half to five percent increase in interest rates on to 31 trillion. Ask a bunch of reporters, what's 1% of 30 trillion three months ago? Nobody could get it after 30 seconds. First stab was 300 million. They were off by a power of a thousand. That's how abstract it is, but that will be the incremental pain over time that'll wake up this place, hopefully the American public. Senator Mike Braun from the state of Indiana, candidate for governor, uh, U.S. Senator. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. The FBI confirms that they have the document, the document that is wanted by a James Comer who runs, uh, what, what does he run? House Oversight? That's it. The document that the whistleblower said shows that the Biden family was taking bribes for policy decisions, or at least Biden was taking bribes, and then the policy decisions were being made, and the money was flowing to the family. And director, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, won't share it. He will not share the document. If you want to see it, Representative Comer, well, you can come over to a SCIF, a secure compartmentalized information facility, and, and, and we'll redact it for you, and then you can see it. It's an unclassified document. Why would it be redacted? Exactly who does the FBI think they are? And let me tell you, there's a whole big conversation about whether or not you would hold Christopher Ray in contempt of court and put him in jail. Until he complies. And over at News Nation, the host there, I don't even know the host's name. He was like shocked and stunned by this, grasping at the pearls. It was hilarious talking to Representative James Comer, who chairs uh, the Oversight Committee from Kentucky. So you are still threatening receiving payments soon after a visit. So if I hear you right, Congressman, you are Mm -hmm. still threatening to hold the head of the FBI, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, in contempt. Um, I, I was reading through the penal code. There could be a fine for the FBI director. You could even potentially, according to the penal code, throw him in jail for 12 months. Do you want to throw the FBI director in jail? If he doesn't comply with a congressional subpoena. Look, there are a lot of people in this building right now that believe that we have several government bureaucracies that are out of control. The way this system was designed is there's supposed to be check and balances. And the House Oversight Committee is supposed to have congressional oversight over uh, every federal government agency. I'm so old, I remember a time when nobody was above the law. Do you remember that? Do you remember when nobody was above the law? Remember that conference? Oh, good times. 
Good times when nobody was above the law. Oh, yeah, that was that was world class. That was precious. I guess that's not the case for whoever this host is over at News Nation. That's an outrageous statement. You're going to put him in jail? Yeah, if he doesn't comply with the subpoena, that's exactly what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, now that Comer has said it, Republicans have got to go forward with it. This is the part that people can't stand about the Republican Party. You talk, you talk, you talk, you talk. When it comes to the moment of doing, you're like, eh, well, I don't know, maybe it might not be nice. The press might say something bad about me. Maybe you'll forget. You know what? Now I'll sable rattle about this thing over here. By the way, I said sable rattle and not saber rattle. Sable rattling is what my Jewish grandmother does. Why do I not have any fish on this bagel? That's, that's sable rattling. You know what? Like five people out there thought that joke was hilarious. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. Um, the FBI director is not special. He's not. This Trump appointee that Republicans were all okay with, turns out he's not okay. Supply the document or go to jail. That's what the rest of us will be told. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.